0: I'm Allison Knowlton-Mason.
1: I'm Stanley Bradley, and we're friends turned family, getting together to tell stories, laugh, observe, and think.
0: This is The family Meeting.
1: And today, before we dive into our topic, we are going to talk a little bit about what we mean when we um, have our big topics. We wanted to make sure that with this podcast that our big topics were things that we could kind of approach with a 360 degree view of things. So a lot of our topics and a lot of our words that we use, the language that we use may have more than one meaning. Just for example, the word meeting. Meeting can mean an intersection of things, a coming together. It can also be an event. So when you hear us say, like for this week, our topic is place. We may be talking about places in geography, but we also may be talking about place as more of a concept, an idea, Mm -hmm. a place of where you are right now in your life. And so for me, place was one of the topics that I wanted to talk about. And so we've been talking a lot about the South has been in the national news in terms of mm-hmm. dynamics of the Georgia Senate race. And that just got me to thinking a lot about how so much of my identity is tied to being Southern, mm-hmm. which is, I think, probably distinctly different from you and what you think about place particularly.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I remember from the podcast or from the podcast, from the trailer, I, I, the thing that stuck out to me when I met you was this sort of like very Southern, like warmth. And I immediately sort of connected who you are to where you were from, from the beginning of our friendship. And, you know, I don't, I don't all the way feel that same way about myself. I feel like, you know, even when I think about like accents, right? Like the people in the South have a very specific accent. I've always thought, people from Ohio or kind of like the Midwest have sort of like a neutral accent.
1: Yeah. And
0: so I, I feel like in that way, like the South is very distinct and the Midwest where I'm from um, Northeast Ohio is neutral kind of.
1: I remember hearing um, a newscaster say that most newscasters who are not if they have like native accents of their own or native voice tones, they are trained in a Midwestern flat accent
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: that is what is apparently appealing to most viewers, which is interesting, which is an interesting way, again, to get into this topic of place because one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is not just, um, it's just really what perceptions are of I guess, like I said, the South, because that is what I know. I've Mm -hmm. lived, I was born in Huntsville, Alabama. I lived there until I came to college here in Atlanta, have been in Atlanta ever since. And so like, this is what I know. And this Mm -hmm. is what I'm so deeply connected to. And just, you know, how does that shape who I am? Like you talk about, you know, being warm and being, you know, a lot of people equate that warmth with a certain like manners and a certain, Right. way that people do things in the South. But on the different token of that, some of that is also people think that it's it's a slowness, right? Yes. And that that yes. slowness also kind of is reflected in a kind of oppression, a kind of backward, not oppression, because that's a different topic, but maybe a kind of backwardsness yeah. that the South is perceived that. And then like, if you as a person, if that's what you're from, what does that say about you?
0: Well, I mean, you're so much not that though. So that's the thing. It's like I don't know all of what I thought. Right. So coming from Ohio, I went to college in Indiana, so I didn't go too far. And then showing up in Houston, meeting you, I don't. I don't know what ideas specifically I was carrying about people from the South. But I always, you know, even in the in the trailer for this podcast, I specifically said I was like, you're Southern and you're smart. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know. Maybe I had some assumption.
1: Yeah. Prior like, to right, that,
0: that I was like, oh, this is a smart person in the South, which I, I really hope I didn't think that, especially considering so much of my family is originally from the South. From the South. Exactly.
1: Um, yeah. It, it, it's just a, I think it's an interesting place to kind of start this conversation off, particularly um, all this going on now with Georgia being in the news about the Senate race mm-hmm. and people really wanting to kind of have a say with um what happens here and mm-hmm. have an opinion about mm-hmm. what happens here and not really knowing the whole context of what this place is, like what it means to be, you know, a rural Georgian versus a, you know, someone who lives in Metro Atlanta. And I don't know that we have these conversations about other places. Mm. I don't know if like, do people, like you said, like you're from the Midwest people from Midwestern people don't have these great big conversations about what it means to be Midwestern.
0: Well, but I do think that there are other parts of the country that have those types of conversations and things sort of like thrust upon them based on where they are. I think about California, for example. Yeah. As a place where, and and this is an experience I've had through people that I've known who were from California, who I met somewhere other than California. There's like this deep feeling of like, I am a Californian. And in almost every case, they're like, let me get back to California at some point. Um, And so there's something, I think, distinct about California that comes to mind. I could think of, like, two people in particular who are like, yeah, where I am is fine. But, like, man, when I get a chance, I'm hightailing it back to California because that is, like, a huge part of who I am. And I need to be there to really feel like myself. And so I think that's one thing that, like, I don't feel about the Midwest, because they're because of that sort of like generalness that I have felt. Um, I mean, even growing up, I you know, there wasn't in my sphere a ton of like celebration of diversity. And so it just all seems kind of general. So like I I'm not like, ah, let me get back to Ohio. Like I just need to get home. Like you know, and even like, you know, this conversation about accents, like I feel a little bit of pride that I've picked up a little bit of a Southern (laughs) accent uh, in my years in Atlanta, which is, it's weird. And I I hear myself sometimes and I'm like, what are you saying? What what kind of mashed up accent have you made for yourself? (laughs) Because it's like a little bit of like Ebonics. (laughs) I've picked up some like Ebonics that I certainly did not come out of Ohio with (laughs) <laughs> I say y'all almost exclusively. Y'all is like, y'all is the best pronoun. It's
1: it like, is. It's, it's not inclusive. It's it, you inclusive. know,
0: guys is very gendered, but y'all just y'all brings everybody. All in of y'all. Come on.
1: All, of y'all. all yeah, y'all. I, I embrace the, the y'allness of the world. Right. right like everybody right. should embrace y'all. But it's it's, the so best fun. way. it's funny you talk about like Californians wanting to get back to California. I think New Yorkers- are the mm-hmm, same way, mm-hmm. like New York is kind of the center of the universe and all other places are right. satellites around it. Right. Interestingly, I feel like one of the things that I get as being a Southerner is, and part of this is history, right? Like the Great Migration, the warmth of the other suns, I have to put a plug in that wonderful yep. book. Um, You know, the Great Migration, it talks about how particularly Black folks, we had to leave the South. Mm-hmm. So there's like this weird contradiction of, you know, people telling you, that the place you're from is not worthy because mm-hmm. of its past, mm-hmm. but also like it's the place you're from and mm-hmm. you feel it very deeply. And so part of the um, thing that I think, one of the things that I find interesting in that I don't struggle is the wrong word, but one of the things I find interesting is that like, when I was in high school, I was a very good high school student. And when it was time to go to college, like a lot of people, And I think I I did some of this myself. Were encouraging me to go far away, Mm -hmm. to leave the South, like apply to Stanford, apply to Harvard, apply to Yale. Mm -hmm. You know, do those things like almost in a in a way to escape the South, right? In a way better and to be better, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in a way that we don't necessarily tell people to escape from New York or escape from like general like you know generally the confederate the, the historic states of the confederacy are the places where we're like you've got to, particularly for black folks mm-hmm. you've got to escape rather mm-hmm. than you know really embrace that part of identity now as i've gotten older i've certainly i embrace it it's who i am mm-hmm. but i just remember that tension being there and i think it's one of the interesting things about place is yeah. you know the push and pull of it right
0: Yeah, which is interesting because I didn't have that experience at all. Um, I Like I said, I went to college in Indiana. And I was like a above average high school student. Like not great, but above average. Uh, And so they're like, yeah, go, you know. Like there was no like, oh, Allison, like you're so exceptional. Go somewhere. They're like, ah, you can go somewhere decent, you know. Yeah. And I ended up in Indiana. And the one thing that I left... DePaul with was this feeling of like, I must, cause I think that was when I was really starting to develop my identity as a black person. Cause that was not really very like front of mind for me in Ohio growing up in high school. Um, but I think because of where I was, because DePaul was such a, a white place, um, I was like, yo, like in ways that I had never been forced to deal with before. I was like, I am black. Like it is, that is in my face. And so I felt very different from everybody at school. And the overwhelming majority of my classmates left DePaul and went to Chicago. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. Overwhelmingly, the feeling was we stay. We don't, we stay in this area. The Midwest is who we are, you know, which is basically, I did like the opposite thing.
1: Yeah. Which is interesting because I'm thinking about after, like after school, I stayed here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. But again, there is this thing where it's like, okay, You've got your degree from Morehouse or Spelman or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Now again, where are you going? You can't stay even mm-hmm. in Atlanta like. Mm-hmm. You can't stay in the South now. Like tons of Morehouse people go and they do investment banking or they go to law school and it's not in the South. You know, it's everywhere else. Now, the thing that is cool now is that people come back. People are like mm-hmm. you're Atlanta's like, cool now. Yeah. And it was it was cool then. But I think it what it wasn't, you know, the reputation wasn't, like it mm-hmm. was just starting to build that reputation. Mm-hmm. But, and even the South, I feel like people are coming back yeah. to the South. Like there's this kind of reverse migration going on right. with Descendants from the Great Migration. But again, it's just so interesting with this, um, again, with this, with the history mm-hmm. that we have here in the South. And then I'm also thinking about like how much you just, you love the place, well, at least, I love the place that I'm from, right? Because mm-hmm. that's my family. Like it's it's culture, it's food, it's everything that mm-hmm. you know, like is there is a warmth that I feel being yeah. that is reflected in my personality, I think. Right. And I don't know that I've experienced that anywhere else, like even just in my travels. Yeah. Like I did spend a couple of summers in West Virginia, which is a whole <laughs> thing. Uh-huh. And what and like I'll tell share this crazy experience I had, but so it was like my first summer, like, I guess, away way away. Was this um, between teaching years? No, this was, um, I think, junior year of college. Okay. I did a public health internship near the University of West Virginia. And what you soon discover when you get to West Virginia is that the only Black people who are there were probably the athletes mm. and like maybe a few native West Virginians, right? Okay. It is an overwhelmingly white place. It is so white that when I went to get my hair cut. Oh boy. <laughs> when I went uh-huh. to get my hair cut, first of all, it was like a struggle trying to find somewhere to, that would, you know, say, hey, we'll cut your hair. Uh huh. So we, I had a couple of roommates who had came in the same program that we were with. We we're all black. Uh-huh. So that was the good thing. Like we all had our little unit. We were together. We shared an apartment. And so this one girl, she was looking to get her hair done. Uh-huh. And I was looking to get a haircut. So we figured, if nothing else, whoever finds the person first will <laughs> then be able to get a lead for the other person. Okay. So she finds this girl to do her hair. And the girl is like, oh, sure, I can cut his hair. It's fine. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it was not <laughs> fine. It was horrible. She did not, a Black woman, mind you, she did not know how to cut a Black man's hair. Did she have used clippers? She used, I think I blocked it out. I think the trauma of it <laughs> has blocked it off. She used clippers, but like there was no blending. There oh was no, no, it was just like zoom, zoom, zoom. Oh no. It was horrible. It was, and I was like, how do you, like, it was such a weird experience. Cause I'm like, you're a black lady. Like if nothing else, I expected her to be like, I don't know how to do this. Let me right. not. Let me point you some way. And it was like, nope, it was, she did I'm it. i just going to
0: hack up your head. I'm just wow. going to do it. And there, no, was, no, there was no we line, do there that. was no.
1: And so I was like, the next Ooh. week we had to drive like 30 minutes, 45 minutes outside of Morgantown mm-hmm. to apparently another town in West Virginia that has a few more black people. Mm-hmm. And they did have somebody who was able to cut my hair. Oh boy. But yeah. It, and so that was like the first time I was like, hey, I think I the first time I'd ever met a black person who was disconnected from blackness in that way, mm-hmm. in the sense that like she really didn't think it was a big deal that she didn't that she could just do my hair like that. I'm like, what black man do you know that's ever just like cut my hair any kind of way you want, to, <laughs> right? Like None. That like that 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 does not exist no. in my world. No. And then she was, you know, it was just really weird because like she had obviously just. Um, like the friend that I went with, I think she did her hair okay, but it was very much that she had just been trained to do white people's hair. And like, that's what she did. Which
0: is a, such a distinctly different
1: yes, thing. Such a, but it, it was the first time I was like, wow, I'm not, even though I'm technically in the South, I'm not in my South. I'm yeah. not. It was the first time I felt truly like I am Black in this space Mm -hmm. and it is not and it is just us four and it is it is it is weird we are alone and i did not like it and i was like i do not want to experience this ever again in my existence but yeah but that like i said again the whole idea of 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 place like even just like moving that geography like being in that geographical space was also like I was in a different mental place, Mm -hmm. if you will, because I was Mm -hmm. like, this is crazy. Like I said, it was one of the first times that I ever felt like this distinct, like, so this is what it's like to not, not only to not be in the majority or to not be, Mm -hmm. but to not have that sense of community that comes with growing up the way I grew up and in the place I grew up.
0: Which is, which is, It's weird to hear and, and to like, you know, you and I sort of be in a similar space now, considering I started it basically in like an opposite space where I was the only black face in most pictures. Um, and I was a, a, did ballet from the time that I was 10 to 18. And I was one of the taller ones. And I was the only Black one. So not I wouldn't even say the darkest one. I was the only Black person. So they used to always put me in the center, in the back. <laughs> Which I'm like, symmetrically, I kind of appreciate because You're it would tall. make the picture look really uh, unbalanced to have me on either side. Um, but that that was sort of basically my experience throughout high school. And there were a few, few of us, my sister couple other families and we were all connected in some way or another, but it still wasn't, I don't know. We didn't, like my family, we didn't like lean into that hard. Like we weren't like, let's, you know, sort of seek that refuge in a like very like explicit way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Most of my close friends were white. Most I, I had some black close friends, but it was different. Um, I mean, you said you you, that happened for you in college. It happened for me in college too. Like I said, and but then really happened when I moved to Atlanta. When yeah. that was my first time looking around and seeing people who looked like me, like a lot of them, and I was like, I mean, you know, we you know we always call that my Black Renaissance. Yeah, <laughs> starting in two thousand two. Because I was like, whoa, Black culture, <laughs> like, this is great, and in a way that, because I, I don't know, I feel like at depa it was the first time it was like really thrown in my face, but I still didn't quite know what to do with it. Yeah, And I still, the culture that I was like most connected with felt like dominant culture. And so uh, when I was able to be like the dominant culture here is Black culture, yeah. Yeah, that was just cool. And so yeah. that felt like the first time, and I think that's really when I started to develop my family, but that felt like the first time that I was able to be in a in a place geographically that had lots of black people, but also in a place myself where I was really starting to get comfortable in my skin as a black person.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I always say that the way that I arranged my de- my like descriptors of myself, yeah. changed over time. So I was like, when I was a kid, it was Christian girl black. Uh-huh. And then it was still Christian. When I when I was in college, it was Christian black woman. And then as a young adult, sort of on my own in Atlanta, um, it was black first because I was like in that space where I was like, oh, look at everybody who looks just like me, it's so beautiful. Like we have similar experiences. I don't have to explain things to you. Um, and was very quickly able to just like, be super happy about being black like it wasn't a attention as much as it yeah. had been before so then it was black woman christian which is an interesting like as you know i talked about my spiritual journey last week yeah that kind of changed a little bit and like became and I wouldn't say it went for, far away, but it was like less present every moment. And then the other thing I, I, I was thinking about in preparation for this conversation is about the difference then from when I was in Atlanta to now where I am in Miami, where when I first moved here, I, was, you know, had been in Atlanta for 16 years. And so I was like, I'm black. That's, 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 that's number one. Yeah. But then when I got here, I was very quickly like, I am African-American, yeah. Because this was my first real face-to-face daily experience with the diaspora. Yeah. Cuz I was people would be like, "Oh, you're," and then I would get a list of the things they thought I was. Haitian, Jamaican, something about my skin tone matches whatever people are. <laughs> it was a little jarring when I moved here. Is this place of imagine. like like you are not from the Caribbean. Like yeah. and that I was like, "Oh, I was like, is that bad? <laughs> like I was
1: like, that, Yeah, what that is that mean? That
0: I had. I was like, should I be from the Caribbean? I was like, I'm not. I can't make myself from the Caribbean. Yeah. And then, you know, those black African-American woman spiritual, right? And so, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um, but I forget exactly where I was going with that, but
1: yeah, you were, we were just talking about like how the places I think the places where you are also determine the places yes. where you where you are, like the place, the place where you are mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Yeah. I think that what's funny is I think that because I was growing up in the South, you talked about how your descriptors changed. Mm -hmm. Like my descriptor, the first descriptor has always been Black. Like Mm. it has always been Black, Mm -hmm. you know, and really they haven't changed. It's always been Black Christian man, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's what it's been. I don't know if I could attribute that to geography. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. If I had moved as much, if that would have changed, I, I don't suspect it would have, yeah. simply because I think so much of, again, I think being raised in the South, particularly the deep South, as a Black person, just for, I think, emotional, sometimes physical safety mm-hmm. like you're you're confronted with blackness like right like it, it it is a thing that you like have to you know like you can't right. hide it right because the history is there right it's in your family it's you know right it is
0: whereas i think in ohio the feeling that i think i got and this is putting a lot on all, on a lot of people but i think it was a little bit of that like i don't see color it was like at that time, maybe it was like the best thing that we can do is say we don't see your color. Yeah. And I think I, at the time, I probably would have said that that was a good thing. Yeah. You know, like I in where I was in my understanding, I was like, yeah, yeah. we're all.
1: We're all equal, right? Because yeah. that, yeah. that that was the thing that, yeah, you know, that good progressive people said, like mm-hmm. we're all equal. It doesn't matter. Everybody mm-hmm. should be treated the same regardless. Yeah. Of course we know. So yeah. that's interesting. And I just like you touched upon something that was really funny. Is just the like, well, not funny, but the transition to Miami mm-hmm. from Atlanta. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that and just what that that place.
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: That change of place, what it did to your other. Yeah. To the place that you inhabit
0: it. So, you know, connecting back to last week's episode about family, I think the first thing that happened was that I I moved away from my family. And so it left me in a place of just being super lonely, lonely for the ways that I have fun. You know, I, I, like I talked about before, like I'm quick to call somebody. I'm always quick to text somebody. I'm pretty sure I was like Neededly on everybody's phone more than usual when I first moved, I was like, "Hi, Stan, talk to me, please." <laughs> um, but like, I didn't have anyone to hang out with, and so I was like, ah. "I remember I moved in uh, September, and my birthday's in April, and I had made very few friends <laughs> in that those couple months, so that." I remember. Oh, that was my thirty seventh birthday. That was a really shitty day. <laughs> I did not have a good day that day. I, my friend Kurt, called me at like I remember at like four or something, and he's like, "Hey, how's your birthday?" And I was like, "I've only cried four times today." And he was like, "Oh my gosh, are you joking?" I was like, "No, <laughs> it's not been a good day." And so, like, that was the first thing. Like, I was like, just away from my the way that I have fun and like Miami and I do not have fun the same way let's be very frank about that um I I've never been on a party on a boat I do think that it might be fun but I've never done it and so that's one thing that Miami likes to do man Miami is a party place you come here to party you lay on the beach I don't like doing any of that (laughs) that was a, a, a hard a hard rub So that was sort of the first layer of it. The second layer of it was, and this is something that I identified very quickly, is the racism is different here. And like I said, there's the diaspora in your face. So there's Black people from all over the place. And there's so many more layers. Like there's like, if you're this, people feel the way about you. If you're this, people feel the way about you. And then trying to understand... Latinx community here and the, the different levels of power. So that was a very different thing and hard. It felt like racism was very much more in your face. People, you know, in Atlanta or in the South, and I, you might be able to speak to this too, but I feel like the racism is a little bit more polite. Like it's a little bit more like might talk about you after you leave. Yeah not in florida it's <laughs> just like <laughs> look you straight in the face you know in earshot and i was like oh my god oh my gosh like i remember when i was looking for apartments here you have to have a realtor to to rent even to rent oh wow so i was walking around with my realtor we made appointments so it wasn't like we were just strolling into places you have to make appointments yeah. we go in this man sitting behind the desk my realtor's like my realtor was a white appearing man Yes. And so he could be something that's not Caucasian, but he was white appearing. And the guy was like, he said my name. He's like, we have an appointment. He was like, no, we don't have any availability. And my realtor was like, we have an appointment for, you know, unit, whatever. And he just did not move. He was like, we don't have any availability looking at me. And I was like, well, and my realtor was like fixing his mouth to like argue. And I was like, no, no. No, no, Wheel. there is no reason to argue with this man. I wouldn't even consider living here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why am I going to let you profit?
0: Who who knows what you would do if I tried to live in this building? And so that was one thing that was really jarring. And yeah. I had to get some some quick history on the interaction between African-Americans and Cubans during the civil rights movement and all that time and all the, the tensions in those communities. So that was, yeah. that was something I think, um, you know, one big part of what ended up making me, cause I was, I was a year. Over a year in before I decided to stay really truly. Like I moved here for a job. I told myself I was going to do that job for two years. And I was going to do that job for two years regardless. But then I was like, I do not have to stay here after two years. And so I was Probably a year and a half in before I was like, no, okay, like I am gonna stay here, and that had everything to do with finding a family here, and, um, you know, the folks at my church were a huge part of the fe- of me even considering staying here. But you know, you know, thinking of the different meanings of place, like being in this place, left me like sad, like angry and then ultimately sort of rejuvenated and refreshed by getting to expand my family. Yeah. Um, and then once I'm at Lance getting to to expand my actual like family. family. Yeah. So now, you know, I feel like I'm in a very settled place. Um, and never in my life would I have imagined that I would make a home in South Florida (laughs) ever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Lance is from here and this is where our life is and his family is here and they are wonderful, truly, truly wonderful. And so it's interesting when you talked before about people going home, that idea of like, you know, a lot of times people, when they have, when they get married and have kids, they want to move back close to family it's interesting because my immediate family, my mom and my sister are not in Ohio. Yeah. So if I moved home, I wouldn't even be with my fam my my like immediate family. And so now I was able to marry into a, a family so we're able to have the similar like a similar result of being around family. family. Yeah. Um so so yeah, it's been an interesting journey. It's been 5 years. 5 years in September, like I said last time, and the transition has been roller y to say the <laughs> least, but currently is feeling pretty darn good,
1: I'll think, say. Yeah, coming up on that, no, you just passed your one-month anniversary, one-year one anniversary, year. Mm-hmm. marriage anniversary, yeah, that's cool, yeah. and like, I, I mean, I think that leads me to one of the other things that I was kind of thinking about when we were- making notes for this episode is just that you know this idea I think even as a to make it a little more big picture even as a society we're like always like you know if you don't like something move it change it mm-hmm. like we're such a like society that transitions mm-hmm. and as somebody who hasn't had a lot of transitions mm-hmm. in my life in terms of like just physical geographic changes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your perspective is something that's that's interesting to me in contrast, yeah. like, because there's a way that we think about moving as right, you know, moving forward, always moving forward, mm-hmm. but there's also something to be said. And I think this is what's interesting is that in some points we also treasure a stability. Yes. Like if you think about, and this is something you and I both have in, con- have in common, which I thought a lot about we did grow up in the same place. Correct. For 18 years before we moved out.
0: That's right and so same I house wonder, same I was house in the same yes. house
1: yes I was in the same house for 18 mm-hmm. years. really mm-hmm. my parents just sold that house what maybe five years ago too yeah my and, parents
0: sold our house when I was 22 right when yeah. I graduated from college
1: now, I was in my 30s and like you know that's a whole nother story mm-hmm. in that house because like that <laughs> when you think about home, like even yes. though all of my family is still in Alabama, I feel some kind of way about not being able to go back to that particular house Mm. even now at age 40 something I still feel a way about the fact that I just can't go that they don't stay in that house right I mean I I still a lot of my
0: dreams are still set in that house like at night I will be moving around that house and haven't been in that house for I mean almost 20 years they they like it was 2002 when they sold it
1: so yeah, so I like that I wonder if that ultimate stability and that order, order sense of place gives you a good um freedom to roam. A freedom to roam, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. even though I haven't transitioned a lot, like I I'm like to travel. I'm not a mm-hmm. I'm afraid to transition. It's more of a I've mm-hmm. just never wanted to, mm-hmm. like there are points, like I always say the other place I think I would be comfortable living is probably Washington, D.C. Like living mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is Washington, D.C. Probably because it feels a lot like Atlanta. Right. In terms of just the racial dynamics and the sense of community and all of that. Right. But one of the things that I do think, and I think that this is, I think probably ap- applicable to both of us is just this idea of having roots and then those roots give you wings. Right. And so even though we're a society that again, prizes that transition, that always moving forward, that always moving to the next thing, that there is something to be said about a stability of place, Right. giving you a place that you can go inside yourself when you're in those transitions, be them geography or personal Mm. or emotional.
0: That's good. That's good. And I think that like that connects back to what I was saying about when I first moved here and how, you know, I'm a, I'm a nester so like when I moved into my apartment in, here in Miami my first one um, I moved in on a Thursday I was completely unpacked by Sunday evening and I don't usually do that but I did that because I was like I just need the space around me to feel very settled Yeah. but that feeling of like like you said like I, I was unsettled kind of by what was happening the fact that like I don't have a a patio to sit on. I don't have friends to go hang out with, but I was like, inside of me, I'm still me. And I'm still like a refuge for myself. And so I remember telling people, I was like, inside my apartment, it's still Atlanta. I was like, I'm just (laughs) like, once I come into my apartment, I was like, this is Atlanta. This is (laughs) comfort and happy. And I'm like, I can block out the palm trees for a little bit until I until, <laughs> until I you until them. I embrace the palm trees yeah they don't exist <laughs> so it's like I'm able to just like be comfortable where I am and yeah. regardless of what's happening and then you know it comes you know like moving in when you're 36
1: is hard yes like making I mean, friends like, yeah that old it's yeah. rough yeah cuz people are people have families people have spouses right. Right. People have routines that they are. Yeah. You have to be, you know, pretty special to be like, okay, I'm about to interrupt this routine.
0: Maybe that's why all
1: my friends here are so
0: young. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, let me find some single people who are also single. I (laughs) was like, hey, you come here. I was like, oh, you're 27? Okay.
1: That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs)
0: Dope. Okay. We probably should wrap it up now.
1: We probably should.
0: Um, Let's do our last little segment. And I realized last week, we didn't explain what's up for you. Um, Not that we need to do too much exposition, but basically we just have this little segment at the end where we just say, what's up for you, which is a holdover from our movie Mondays. And we just kind of talk about whatever interesting new thing is kind of holding our attention at the moment.
1: So Stan, what's up for you this week? What's up for me is the Biden-Trump geography quiz on the New York Times. I am mildly obsessed with it. It is a great <laughs> thing to do when you're trying to put off writing that work email at the job that pays you, <laughs> or if you are trying to stretch out those last minutes before you leave the job that pays you, before you pack up. It um, It's just this, it's basically, it's just this quiz where they ask you to choose whether a neighborhood is a Biden neighborhood, which meaning that the precinct, the neighborhood is in, the voting precinct, voted for Biden or if it voted for Trump based solely on a picture of the neighborhood. And it is just fast. They have like 10,000 neighborhoods. So you'll never get a repeat.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. I saw saw the link in here and I clicked it prior to this conversation. It's cool.
1: Yeah. And it's cool. And you get to, you know, you just get to guess and it's just fun. It's a, Fun way to remember 2020, if you need to, I doubt anybody wants to remember it, (laughs) but it's fun. I'm still in my, like I said, the Georgia Senate race, the Georgia governor's race, I'm still political. I'll be political probably until 2022 at least. So, um, but yeah, it's fun. I like it, check it out, see what you can get, see if you can get your score. The link is gonna be in our show notes. Yes. What's up for you?
0: What's up for me is generally topically uh things that Lance likes that he tries to get me to like as well. Um <laughs> and the one thing that's really occupying a lot of my attention right now is this cartoon on Hulu called Solar Opposites. If you've heard of Rick and Morty, it's in the same family as that. I think I think the guy who voices those people also does some voice work on solar opposites. It's this goofy cartoon. It's aliens from planet Slorpion who are sent to earth because their planet blew up because of a meteor. And they're sort of trying to blend in, but not really. Like they (laughs) still have all this sci-fi equipment and stuff. And um, my favorite part of this, there's like this whole subplot where the replicants, the two younger aliens (laughs) have a shrinking gun. And so anybody who annoys them, they shrink <laughs> them down. And then they put this like thing in the wall of their room that has these little, it's like a clear box with shelves, right? And they made this whole like chute. So the once that you've shrunk somebody down, they put them in a bag, bring them home, dump them in the chute. And then they are in this, they call it the wall. It's literally the whole wall of their room. And it's all these little clear compartments. Well, the wall has a whole society now, like- And this is season three, I think. And literally, like, there was a a wall. There was a civil war in the wall last season. And now they have, like, holidays commemorating things that happened in the war. They call it the War of Wall, War One, I think. (laughs) And it is my favorite part of the show. It is, like, I could watch the whole, like, they could really get rid of the people from Slurping and just show me the people in the The wall. wall. And it is
1: so weird so I was just if you go watch it it's weird just know that it's so, really weird because you know now I'm now cool. like so do we see the wall people every episode
0: not every episode but some episodes you get like a lot of wall content so sometimes it'll be like some little short opening and then you get like 90% wall content sometimes you get like 10% wall content sometimes you get 0% wall content but the episodes like this last I think the second to last one was almost entirely wall content. And there was all these connections. Like people th- you thought were dead from last season actually were outside the wall. They made it outside the house. And it, it's so strange. <laughs> and I love it now. And Lance is like, got me into all these things. And I tried but to he, fight. I try to fight it. I try to fight these things and I just it. get sucked in.
1: But he, I he's like, I would
0: never watch. Or He's David. like,
1: he likes sci-fi and. Oh yeah. okay yeah.
0: Sci-fi, all that stuff. I mean, that's how I got into Marvel, which we had a whole conversation about that okay. on Instagram. But what's up for me this week is Solar Opposites. So okay, if you about... want, uh, and I, like I said, I think it's in season three. So if you're okay. looking for a show to binge, maybe. And the episodes are short. They're like
1: okay. 30 minutes. Okay. So. I am on vacation from the job that pays me for a week. Hey, so that might be something I can look into.
0: Again, don't judge me and don't text me talking about it's
1: too weird. <laughs> just, just, I know I'm going in completely. Just completely save it mine. for
0: yourself and be like, she's right. It's weird. And just, turn it's weird. Off and keep
1: it- <laughs> I, this wall, you know, this wall thing is as me intrigued. Like, it's great. I love a good side plot story. It's great. it's great. So,
0: and I think that's our show for today.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Lilac on York Creative Studios. The Family Meeting is produced by me and Allison. Additional production audio
0: mixing and sound editing by Will Salua, who also wrote and produced our theme song entitled 135th and Coffee. Need a unique track, beat, or sound mixing and editing? Hit him up. You can find his email address and IG handle in our show notes every week.
1: And special thanks goes to everyone who listened to episode one and who engaged with us on social media this week. You can find the show notes on what we discussed, including links posted in the blog section on lilacsonyork.com.
0: And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at lilacsonyork. You can find me on social at Allison K. Mason on IG and Twitter, even though I do not tweet.
1: And you can find me on social at twice11 on IG and Twitter, even though I don't post on IG. Thanks for listening.
0: Meet you here next week.